When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on a save-the-date that didn't get followed with an invitation, declining a house guest's suggestion, handling holiday present pressure, dinner party dilemmas, and how to hold a hug at bay in the work world. All that, plus it's time for another Awesome Etiquette mailbag postscript coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. I had an interesting conversation over coffee on Sunday with a dear friend. I got a little hint about it, but I'm curious to get the whole story. Well, so my friend went to visit her family. She's she's from Eastern Europe. And uh, while she was there, she was, you know, wanted to bring gifts to, to all the family she'd be visiting. And she really put a lot of thought and effort into the gifts and, and felt really great about bringing them over. What a great mm-hmm. guest, right? And she shows up and she has this gift, for, for lack of explanation, we'll say her grandmother. And she gives the gift to her grandmother and her grandmother rejected it. I know. She said... Out of hand. Out of hand. She said, I'm sorry, I'm no longer accepting material gifts. I don't want to accumulate any more things in this world. And it was like... Okay. And my friend, she was telling me, but she's like, how do I handle that? And I said... Well, I guess you just don't give her the gift, but it would have been nice if you'd had a heads up beforehand. I, I don't think that your friend did anything wrong. It's the advice that we give. If you're going to be a house guest, arrive with something in hand. It's very common. Totally. At least, I, I would think. And that being the case, I would imagine that that gift would be received with grace. But if the person has just declared they're no longer accepting material gifts, what would you do? Would you think that the person no longer accepting material gifts should accept the gift and then give it away? Or do you think they should let the person know, thank you so much for being thoughtful, but I'd rather you keep it. I could not decide what the grandmother should have done. I mean, I know she should have communicated this to people before she had any guests coming over, but... Understanding that it's not... um... A life or death situation. Yeah, I would say accept the gift accept and the gift. and and pass it on to someone else if it really is a burden. If yeah. for some reason you you don't get out or even getting out to give that gift to someone else right. is is a difficulty or something, I m- might acknowledge something like that. But generally speaking, I think you, you, etiquette always the self assessment. Do the thing that makes it easier for the other person. Right. From right. the perspective of the host, I receive the guest and figure out something to do with it and tell them, you know, next time you come, don't worry about it. I you know, I have everything that I could possibly need here. What really matters to me is seeing you. Right. And truly, don't worry about bringing something the next time you come. And if you're the guest and the person does refuse the gift, you just... 
oh, keep it for something else. I didn't realize. Well, I will hang on to this and so that's find the way each else each person it, yeah. could play that dance. But you know what's really funny is that take this same idea but apply it to um, food restrictions. So mm-hmm. I've decided to be vegetarian and I didn't tell anybody and they're serving me meat. And let's say it's like, yeah. uh, let's say that the person made something like a gumbo as the main dish or something and it's full of meat because it's not a vegetarian mm-hmm. gumbo. And then you're sitting there, but it really now is against either your your moral compass or or maybe it's the wheat thing and you can't eat it, like you physically can't eat it, but you forgot to tell people. Mm-hmm. That's one where I would say guest hold firm, you know, and just say, I'm so sorry, I completely forgot to mention this. Um, please enjoy it. I'm so glad to just be here with your company. Safety right? trumps etiquette, but do everything you can to make the other person feel okay about the situation yeah, and how it how it happened. And I mean, it's something a little cliched. We say it all the time that in gift giving, when people are looking for advice about what to give, we always say it's the thought that counts. Right. And because it is the thought behind that gift giving, it's kind of important how you receive a gift. If what was really important was the person thinking about you, that gift becomes a representation of that goodwill and that good thought. And it's, a good it's not conversation to have at the holiday time when lots of oh gifts get goodness. exchanged. <laughs> truly, truly. And that tantrum that the two year old throws when they don't like what they've got or they right. didn't get the thing that they wanted to get. And right. it's an important life lesson that no, you thank the person, you thank them for the thought behind it. Right. And the material good isn't the most important thing, but it is representative of those those more important things. Something I wasn't <laughs> always good at, even after the age of two. I had to work hard on that one, learning how to have a, oh, thank you so much, at the ready, I, I was, no matter what. Yes. You know? and, and what's the stock answer? You can always thank someone that was so thoughtful. I really appreciate your thinking of me. Exactly. You can always thank them for the thought. What do you think? Should we get to some listener questions rather than my question? <laughs> Let's do it. Sure, you're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Our first question is about a save-the-date that wasn't followed with an invite. I received a save-the-date card, but no invite. What should I do about going to the wedding without the invitation? I have already purchased airline tickets after I received the the save-the-date card. Thanks for your help. Anonymous. That's awkward. Mm-hmm. Don't you think so? I think this has a really simple solution, though. We're going to make quick work of this one. Uh-huh. Give a call. You yeah. call your host and just say, hey, I received a save the date card a while ago, but you blame it on the mail, do whatever, just say, but I, I didn't ever see a follow-up. Do remember that invitations um, usually are sent out, what, like eight weeks before the wedding, mm-hmm. something six to eight weeks before the wedding. So if it's if it's like four months out and you haven't received it, give it some time still. It's a good thought. But if you're really creeping up on that, you know, like four weeks, three weeks territory, then I, I really would give a call and just say, hey, I just wanted to double check because I did when the save the date came. I purchased a plane ticket. I really did intend on coming and I wanted to RSVP yes, but then I didn't have an invitation to RSVP yes too. And I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page and everything was okay. Exactly. That's what the save the date's for so that you can start to prepare and, and be ready. So have confidence when you make the call. Be really friendly with your tone. And I'm sure everything will turn out fine. It was probably just a simple misunderstanding. Our next question is titled, Great Idea, But I'll Have to Pass. Hi, Lizzie and Daniel. Thank you for your podcast. I enjoy listening to it on my subway ride into work each morning. 
A dear friend who I see only once or twice every year or two is in town next week and asked if she could stay at my home for one day in particular. I happily told her yes, as I love our time together and wish we had more of it. This isn't the problem. The problem is she forwarded me an invitation to a very cool, exciting event sponsored by a well-known food magazine to be held at an exceptionally pricey restaurant and asked if I would be interested. She did not make it clear whether she would be picking up the tab as thanks for my hospitality, so I'm operating under the assumption that I would be paying for my own bill. I don't want to be the party pooper or the not-so-fun friend who shoots down her suggestion, but my budget just can't accommodate what would ultimately be a $60-plus meal for one person. How do I handle this? Am I honest with her about my current financial situation? Do I recommend an alternative option that is more in my price range? Do I suggest we stop into the event for only a drink and then have our meal at a less expensive place? Warm regards, Melissa. What do you think? Oh, Melissa, I think the answer is buried right in your question. You asked, do I, um, am I honest about my current financial situation? And that is absolutely what I would recommend here. And and it doesn't need to be a, a difficult or fraught conversation at all. And um, you don't need to shoot down the idea either. You can tell her that you think it's a great idea, that you think it sounds like a great event, but that it's really not in your budget at the moment and that you appreciate her thinking of you, but that that's really not possible for you. You know, there's a, a small chance, an outside chance that she'll respond, oh, well, come as my guest. I'd, I'd love to treat you. Thank you so much for hosting me. That's um, a distinct possibility. And if she were to offer that, I don't think there's anything wrong with accepting that offer and taking her up on it. But it's incumbent upon you to be really clear about what you can and can't afford because um, money's a hard limit and and you want to let people know where your limits are. I like the suggestion, too, of do we stop by the event for a drink and then have our meal somewhere else? That's totally valid. You could absolutely try that. And you could also invite her to attend the event, say, hey, I don't want you to miss out on this because of me if she hadn't offered. I like that touch. And then, you know, you can say, but I'd love to do, you know, I'd love to make sure we get coffee the next morning or something so that you're connecting while she's staying and visiting with you. You can always offer that. Now, if you as the host don't feel comfortable with that, don't offer it. But it is an option. Yeah. And I love the way Lizzie said, even if you decline the the dinner invite, that you definitely want to be sure that she's still welcome to stay with you if that's the case. And I assume it is. And as long as that you're able to separate those two things, say yes to one and no to the other, you're going to be in really great shape. Enjoy the visit. Have a great time. Awesome. Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. 
you'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories. Some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our next question is about present pressure. It begins, Dear Lizzie and Dan, it's the end of October and the beginning of my annual two-month-long anxiety attack about giving gifts at Christmas. <laughs> I try to think ahead and buy or plan gifts in advance, but somehow it never goes well and I end up deploying a flurry of half-hearted Amazon packages around the country to my loved ones on December 22nd. This isn't because I procrastinate or forget. It's because I'm terrible at choosing gifts. I'm fortunate to come from a large family of caring and thoughtful people, many of whom are excellent gift givers. Their gifts leave me feeling pleasantly surprised, warmly grateful, and utterly petrified because I know they're about to open the same bottle of scotch I've gotten them for four consecutive years or some book they've already got a copy of. I try. I do. I start by thinking of my loved ones, what their hobbies and interests are, and what's going on in their lives, and what I could do to complement that. But somehow, I can never connect the dots to accurately determine what related item I should put in an elegant box and mail to their house. So I panic and send something weird at the last minute. <laughs> I want to delight my family, not unwittingly remind them that it's the thought that counts. Is there hope for me? How can I be a better gift giver? Best, Abby. Oh, deep breath, Abby. Deep breath. Um, I feel your pain. I panic over what gift to give people all the time. The possibilities being endless can be paralyzing. And mm. my dad always reminds me that, guess what? They're never going to know what they didn't get. So if you're choosing between blue and red, they're never going to know that blue or red was even an option. They yeah. get the red or they get the blue and that's it. Or, um, you know, the other thing you said you worry, oh, but maybe they'll have that book at home. Don't worry about that. That's something you can't predict. You can't know. If you think it's a book they would love, then send it to them. If they already have a copy, they'll return it and get something else or they will, you know, pass it on to someone. Those are just the typical standard things that happen when you don't live with the person mm -hmm. that you're giving the gift to. And as you just sort of alluded, the, the miracle of the gift receipt. Gift receipts are definitely extremely useful in this situation. And also remember that you've already done a couple of the things that and, and know a couple of the things that we typically suggest. Think about their hobbies. Think about this. I think what we need to tell Abby is to, for lack of a better phrase, pull the trigger, girl. Like buy the gift that you're thinking of. If, you know, yes. if grandpa loves golf send him two dozen golf balls and that's going to be a really great gift you know if if someone's into skiing a new pair of you know mittens for the mountain is going to be a great gift and like we've like Dan just said the gift receipt they can always return it or you can go to the store that you know that they like or that's in their area yep. um you know obviously if it's a boutique store that's only in their area you're going to have a little more trouble but you can think about things like that and never forget the power of the gift certificate i have received some really 
really great gift cards and gift certificates over the years mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't typically shop at Lululemon, but I got one. And now I've got this great zip up from there that I used a year after I got the darn gift card. And it was fabulous. What do we always say about gift cards and gift certificates? Include a little note, a little personalized exactly. note. And from your question, I can tell you are an incredible writer. And yes. don't underestimate your power to write a very thoughtful and well-written card or note to go with a gift card. <laughs> what do you do when you're stumped? All of the things we've already said. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, I do something that can be potentially dangerous and you want to be aware of that. Sometimes you can choose something that you really like, that you want (laughs) to share with somebody. And um, that has the potential to fall flat if it doesn't land well with them. But sometimes it's a great way to share something that you care about or enjoy or just think is neat. (laughs) And it does really show that, that you're thinking. You're like, well, you know, I really enjoy this. I thought you might really enjoy this. Exactly. You don't want to give someone the yoga mat the third Christmas in a row or the third Hanukkah in a row if they're not going to any yoga classes <laughs> and didn't enjoy the yoga block or other props that you gave them the other year or yoga book the year before that. But um, but yeah, that, that's another direction you might choose to go. So Abby, we say go for it. Purchase your gift on, I'm just throwing out a random date, November 20th or November 27th, and you will be, f- I think that was actually Black Friday that yeah, I just exactly. mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that day. But I say just go for it. Give it a shot this year. Give yourself a deadline of by December 10th, I'm going to have every gift on my list purchased. And then just go for it and make the purchases and send them out. Thank and, you for the great holiday question. And have a fabulous, <laughs> fabulous Christmas this year. Our next question is about dinner party dilemmas. Dear Lizzie and Dan, thank you for your awesome podcast. I look forward to each episode and find your insights and sample language extremely helpful. When in tough situations, I find myself falling back on your consideration, respect, and honesty fundamentals. Oh, we love that. My question is, every year my husband and I host a semi-formal dinner party. The evening starts with cocktails and appetizers, followed by a sit-down, multi-course dinner prepared by the two of us. That sounds delightful. I would love to have dinner parties like that in my life. (laughs) We invite the same six to eight friends plus a couple of new guests that would be comfortable with the regulars and add a fresh vitality to the evening. It is a mixed party of couples and singles. We've had the party for so many years that the regular guests assume it will happen and reserve the evening as it always occurs on the same date. Over the years, we have evolved from mailing a formal written invitation to sending a casual email. However, this year we chose to return to mailed invitations, which are generally sent three weeks prior. This year snuck up on us and invitations went out two weeks in advance. One of our traditional guests initially declined our invitation. We subsequently received a text message from him letting us know that due to the tardy arrival of the invitation, he had accepted another invitation. However, his other event starts late and he has asked if he can come for cocktails and appetizers. He has promised to leave when we sit down for dinner. Our initial impression is that this would be awkward and interrupt the flow of the evening. We are also concerned it might appear that we are asking him to leave mid-event. How should we respond? Do we acquiesce graciously? If so, how do we signal to him that it is time to leave and conduct the mid-evening goodbye? He's not the type to exit quietly. If not, how do we decline his request? Thank you in advance for your thoughtful comments and insight. Gratefully yours, Anonymous. What do you think? Oh, Anonymous. (laughs) Um, My first thought is bravo. Sending out written invitations right? to your dinner party. Um, it's nice. It's so often the case that that informality starts to creep up on us little by little. And it's nice every once in a while to push the line back and really do something with that that formal flair. Um, my instinct here is to 
acquiesce graciously. <laughs> um, I, I would say have him over for drinks. It's not necessarily a fraught situation, and it shouldn't be awkward or or difficult for anybody. Having multiple commitments on the same night happens, <laughs> happens all the time. And as you acknowledged a little bit, usually you would give a three-week window for this particular party. He might even have been thinking about it and prioritize this event as his first event if the option had been there. Um, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As far as navigating the departure, um, you want to communicate as early as possible that you're going to let him know maybe 10, 15 minutes before you're going to serve dinner so that he has time to say goodbye to everybody. And then you start to set the expectation that um, you really would appreciate that he's gone by the time everyone goes to sit down. And I think that's going to work because that's what he's suggested and um, it makes perfect sense as far as the flow of the evening, both for you and your event and for your guest. I think that sounds great. I also think that people are not going to assume you're kicking him out of the party. I think it'll be very easy between both him and you to be just between both of you. You'll be able to communicate, oh, we wish Jerry could stay, but unfortunately he had another event or fortunately he had another event. Or But he was able to join us for for this and we were so glad to have him for this part. I think that that will be something that's easily communicated and it won't be a strange disruption in the middle of the evening. This is something that I feel like back when more formal dinner parties with real cocktail hours and, and you know, past hors d'oeuvres hours, that sort of thing happened, that this was actually a little more common when people got two invites. They were able to split up parties so mm. that they could attend both. And during the holiday season, totally normal. Absolutely. So... Um, enjoy. Have a great party. Say hi to everybody for us. Cheers. And thank you so much for listening to the show. We love hearing about that consideration, respect, and honesty in action. Our next question is a little difficult when you're just such a huggable you. Mm-hmm. All right. Lizzie and Daniel, I'm an avid listener to your weekly podcast. It's provided me with very useful information and points of view for handling a variety of life situations. Your podcast has been especially timely for me as I have recently graduated and have moved into a professional position. I have some hugging in the workplace etiquette questions. I get asked for or sometimes just given hugs a lot and frequently from older male colleagues. My question here is several parts. One, how can I politely and professionally refuse or prevent a hug? Two, can I refuse hugs from only my male colleagues? Three, how can I fix an awkward hugging incident that's already happened? I was recently at a professional social event where an older male colleague asked to hug me. This caught me off guard, and I completely accidentally blurted out, No! I was far... It happens. I know. It's like so. I feel so bad. I was far too loud, and the no was rather harsh, and I feel horrible about it. After my harsh response to what I'm sure was just a friendly hug request, there was an awkward silence, and then he walked away. We work in the same field, but not the same employer, so I haven't seen him since that awkward incident. Should I apologize for my reaction or response, or is it better to just leave it as he may not even remember the incident? He had had a few drinks. 
How could an apology be worded without inviting a hug in the end? Is there something different I could be doing so as to not invite so many hugs? I greatly appreciate any hugging etiquette advice you could provide, and I eagerly await your next episode. Best regards, anonymous young professional. Well, anonymous young professional, let me start off by congratulating you on your new position.、Um, that backpack to briefcase transition can be a tricky one, and there are often some shifts that occur in our expectations of ourselves and others with that particular transition between the student environment and the professional world. And I think this question provides me with a really great opportunity to remind people that in business situations, the default greeting, the most acceptable way to physically come into contact. With someone is to offer them your hand with a handshake. That that is the standard greeting in business, and this is the reason why. That people aren't always sure how to navigate or deal with a hug. It is not a standard greeting, and in professional contexts, it can be really awkward for people. It can also be a warm and generous and gracious way to meet people that you're friends with, that you're comfortable with, that you're familiar with. In some professions, industries, maybe some family businesses, people would <laughs> hug each other comfortably.、Mm, we definitely. When my mother、yes. comes into the office, I don't hug her, but there are times when I hug my mother. Well, and, and I think of our train the trainers. By the end of the week, everybody's giving great... hugs, hello and goodbye. But some people, you can tell that's just not where they're comfortable. So instead, you kind of give them a warm, maybe like pat on the shoulder or something. Exactly. And the standard answer to this question is that the best way to avoid hugs is that you offer to shake someone's hand. That when you're going through that, seeing someone for the first time or that initial meeting, that you present yourself with a handshake and you can take control of that situation. You can wrest some control of that critical moment, that introduction moment, that first meeting moment. By offering your hand, and that's a way that can hold someone at bay. You don't want to walk around all the time with your hand <laughs> extended out, eighteen inches in front of you. To, but but it can it can start to establish your presence and that professional space and distance that that you're wanting to maintain. What about after you've established a little bit of a rapport and you are very friendly? Like I think about someone like.、Um, Don Stanion, who used to work for us, who、mm-hmm. is like so friendly and outgoing. Now, Don would happily give someone a hug, but what if she was the type of person who is so outgoing, so friendly, making such great connections with people, but she's not comfortable with hugging these people? But then、mm-hmm. she's at an event, like our listener was. What do you think you would do if that connection's there? It's not the first introduction. Sure, and sort of a, a two-tiered answer. One,、okay. if the situation happens like our listener described, where someone asks, "Could I give you a hug? I feel like I've known you forever. Would it be okay if I gave you a hug?" You're perfectly within your boundaries to say, "Let's shake hands." That's <laughs> that's my standard when I'm in professional situations. And you know, you could even say something like, "You know, I'm a handshaker, not so much of a hugger." Exactly, and it's it's not fraud, it's not difficult, but you're establishing your boundaries. You're letting people know the way that you like to. Navigate this. I noticed in your question, you acknowledged that you were caught a little off guard, and you maybe shouted out "no," <laughs> and and that that might have caused this person some particular embarrassment. Usually, I would say, "No, you do not owe this person an apology. There is no need to follow up. They're the person that was choosing to break that etiquette rule a little bit. They were the the transgressor in the situation, and they caught you a little off guard. If you felt like you really embarrassed them, if you really feel like you owe them an apology, you could reach out. You can always apologize for the way. That you said what you said, not what you said exactly. You're not inviting the hug, but you say, you know, I, I was caught a little off guard. I didn't mean to shout no in a way that would offend or that would embarrass you. 
in front of our colleagues that he very well might appreciate that. Um, he might be just as happy to let that moment recede into the background and the recesses of both of your memories. Um, sometimes things like that are better forgotten and your ability to, to give someone the space to forget something like that is also really appreciated. I hope that helps just a little bit. I hope that helps uh, as you navigate this backpack to briefcase transition, which is an exciting one, and it sounds to me like you're off to a great start. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. We're going to look at some of those in a minute. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a message for us on our answering machine at 802-866-0860 or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want it on the show. Well, for our Postscript segment this week, we are very happy to bring you another edition of the Awesome Etiquette Mailbag. We love having your comments. We love hearing your thoughts about questions. I actually find it really interesting. Sometimes I think our listeners are able to pinpoint some of the um, intricate parts of our questions and they say, wait a second, but you didn't address this, which seems like the, the actual little the heart, the, of the the heart of that question that someone was getting at. Matter, so I kind yeah. of I love hearing that. I love hearing people's additions to our answers and sometimes their critiques. <laughs> Without further ado, shall we open our mailbag? Dear listeners, the floor is yours. <laughs> Our first piece of mail is about a question um, that we did on Tinder swiping and whether or not you should accept or like or not like somebody on Tinder who is in your office. You don't want to offend them, but you don't want to recognize that you're in the same space. And what I thought was really cool was that this um, response came from Australia, from Talia in Australia. And it also came because she sent us a voice message. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. My name is Talia. I'm writing in from Sydney, Australia, and I loved that you answered the question on what to do when you see your coworker's profile on a dating app. Um, I've had this question before, and I just wanted to share that if the dating app is Tinder, nobody knows if you accept or reject them unless they accept you as well. So your coworkers don't know if you swipe left or right. Um, that should make everybody feel a little bit safer. I didn't necessarily tell my coworkers when I came across their profiles online, and I'm sure they've come across mine and just haven't mentioned it, and that certainly keeps the peace. Thanks, guys. I love hearing a listener's voice. <laughs> Thanks for the feedback, Talia. That question of how you handle your dating profile at work is a classic. Our next piece of mail from the mailbag starts... Hello, Dan and Lizzie. I've listened to every episode of your podcast, having first become enamored with you both on the dinner party download. We love the boys. We do. Thanks for your sense of humor while addressing uncomfortable and sometimes unfamiliar, to me anyway, situations. This is the first time I've been motivated to write in, and it's because of your advice on the issue of, oh, don't mention it, as a response to thank you. I'm guilty of that oversight, not having thought about how it denies the gratitude being expressed. 
You mentioned that there seems to be some resistance to the phrase, you're welcome. I realized my own hesitation is because it's often used sarcastically, indicating that someone else showed a lack of gratitude, shouting, you're welcome, to somebody who didn't say thank you. I really appreciated your alternative, my pleasure, and will try to work that into my own interactions. So what do you think? Has your welcome taken on something of a negative connotation, or am I just too buried in comedic culture? Alan, Santa Barbara. P.S. From later in the show, really Cali? I only hear you East Coasters use that term. It's not bad, just jarring. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Guilty, guilty, guilty. For 10 years, and it stuck. And it was uh, now getting to be almost 10 years ago, so pardon my dated slang. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of like it when, they, when our listeners call us out on things like Wicked, that. Wicked, dude. <laughs> oh. That would be the East Coast version. Um, Alan, I think it's so awesome that you're thinking about this a step further, and your welcome can often be used sarcastically. Oh, you're welcome. And Dan and I both really encourage people to embrace the genuine nature of your welcome in the tone that they use. So, yes, ditch that comedic tone you hear in your voice and instead go with my pleasure or go with your welcome with true sincerity and it will come out all right. Our next piece of mail comes in response to the list of traditional and new traditional (laughs) anniversary gifts. I do believe this was from our anniversary episode. Kudos for encouraging people to not give ivory and find an alternative gift. I respectfully request that you also encourage people not to give coral and to find an alternative. Coral is an endangered living being, although admittedly at a non-sentient level. I confess that I enjoy the antique coral jewelry that was my grandmother's, but people can find no end of lovely items without harvesting the limited coral that exists now. Best wishes to you both and to the continued success of your podcast. Sincerely, Nancy. I love it when people write in with these suggestions. Exactly. We love finding ways to make sure that the gifts that we suggest are not negatively impacting our world that we live in. Nancy, we are so happy to pass that advice on. So it will be included in the 19th edition for sure. I love this um, next mailbag response that we have because we actually got a number of them and people were really excited about this question. This is in response to the woman who was headed home for a union and knew that people would ask her about her weight gain because her hometown is just like that. Dear Lizzie and Daniel, I just heard your podcast on handling questions about having gained weight. As a heavy person, I appreciate your sensitivity. Sometimes, if I'm feeling a bit puckish, I respond to various comments with something to the effect of, hey, I work hard to maintain this figure. Eating all that delicious food takes a lot of time, money, and energy. Then, of course, I go on, as you suggest, by switching the subject. Sincerely, Andrea. Andrea, I love the way you're using just a little bit of humor to deflect what could otherwise be a a rude comment or situation. I I think it's uh, brilliant and well-advised. Our next piece of mail comes in response to Bummed in Brunchland, the vegans. Regarding the question of the absentee vegan guest from your most recent episode, The Office Wanderer, I noticed in your response that a number of the suggestions were framed around the notion of we or us referencing the other cook or guests. As one of six children in a loud, happy, strong-willed family, I instituted a policy when we were young that no sibling ever approach a touchy subject with another sibling by framing the conversation around we or us, as that leads to feeling ganged up on. Like you are the focus of sidebar conversations of which you aren't a part. 
It is isolating and puts an instant defensive position on the single person who is made to feel like an outsider. And since that policy, we've dealt with many issues under the grace of thoughtful and sensitive etiquette. Just a thought sent with cheer, Sandra. Sandra, I think this is excellent advice. And I love your attention to detail. Those pronouns and how we use them really do impact how people feel, whether they feel respected or included or not. And um, I think your your advice is well offered and well received. And the only caveat that I'm going to give to it is simply that sometimes, especially when it comes to couples, you use the phrase we or us as a host, not intending the entire party, meaning we or us, but simply that the host the, the hosts together were saying this could make it easier for us if we knew that you were coming or you weren't coming. And it is OK to reference yourself as a couple that way. But in general, I love the thought to pronouns and not making someone feel ganged up upon. And I think that that is really stellar advice. Lizzie and I would like to conclude today's mailbag postscript by acknowledging that we received a couple of comments about our grammar and particularly the uh, Um, like creeping into our speech. (laughs) And I can't tell you how keenly aware we both are of it. And it's something that we've both made a commitment to work on and nobody being perfect. We appreciate your bearing with us. We know that we're that we bear a responsibility to model the good behavior that we like (laughs) to talk about. And we take that seriously and we thank you for continuing to hold us accountable. We will try to eliminate likes, you knows, and ums from our podcasts as much as possible. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. Today's Etiquette Salute begins. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm a faithful listener to your podcast and I'm very appreciative of your advice as I work to make it through each day. I would like an etiquette salute to be sent out to United Airlines. I was waiting to board a flight from Boston to Denver when the pilot came to the gate area to make an announcement. One of the two bathrooms in the coach section of the plane was out of service. He spoke of the length of the flight, the policy that the first-class bathroom was only for first-class passengers and those in coach must respect that, and that he was now faced with a dilemma. He then asked us if we preferred to wait for another plane to be available or if we preferred to proceed, given that there would only be one restroom for those in the coach cabin. The group responded that we wanted to board the plane. I was concerned as to how this would work itself out given the length of the flight and the number of people on board. I must say that everyone waited patiently for their turn and waited quietly so as not to disturb those at the rear of the plane who had to endure people standing over them for most of the flight. I think the pilot deserves a salute for including us in the decision-making and advising us of the rules before the decision was made. I also believe that my fellow passengers also deserve praise for taking a possibly difficult situation and making it quite doable. Again, my thanks for your wonderful advice, Nancy. Nancy, as we all approach the potentially difficult and stressful travel of the holiday season, thank you for the reminder that a little goodwill can go a long way to making everyone's experience just a little bit better. That's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And don't forget, there's no show without you. So send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. 
On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by Hans Buto. Hans Buto.